Think of the people you love the most. What are your greatest concerns and desires for them? The gospel reading takes us into the intimacy of prayer between Jesus and the Father. It's the night before Jesus goes to the cross and we are allowed to look into the deepest desires that our Lord has for his followers. Two of his key concerns are unity and truth. He prays, for them you have given me so that they may be one just as we are one. Jesus wants us to have the oneness that he has with the Father. And how the devil has sought to destroy the unity of God's people. Christians are divided by ethnicity, nationality, economic, sexuality, doctrine, and that's just to mention some of the most significant. How can we be one? In our fractured world, what can possibly be the unifier? Well, the simple answer is another of the desires that we hear from Jesus. Consecrate them in the truth. Your word is truth. Now, that's a simple answer, but applying it is anything but simple. We live in a culture that has given up on truth. Some say that there is no absolute truth. Some say that truth is so complicated that we human beings will never be able to understand it, even if it exists. Some say that truth is subjective, it's personal. I have my truth and you have your truth. So that everyone almost agrees that the issue of truth is complicated and hard So how can truth unify us unless we know what truth is? Now, if we're prepared to believe Jesus, he tells us in his prayer. As he calls on the Father, he says, your word is truth. And so this is a primary issue for every person. Are we ready to surrender our own ideas of what we think is true to what God says. And if we are, then there's a second question. How do we discern what God says? Well, the second reading speaks to one facet of this. John wrote in his letter, this is how we know that he has given us of his spirit. Now, what's the result of having God's spirit? John goes on to say, A person acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, so that God remains in him and he in God. But that still doesn't solve everything. That's very subjective, it's personal, it's sort of abstract. And so John gives a tangible application. He says, the sign is love. Not sentimentality. Not the so-called love of whatever makes us personally feel good. The love that John exalts in his letter is God's kind of love. The kind of love that sacrifices for the good of another. 
The kind of love that causes the Spirit of Jesus to make us more and more like Him. So Jesus is really the standard, but then this creates a question. How do we know what is true about Jesus? Well, we find that our Lord has provided that. In the first reading, Peter, as the leader of all the apostles, says, It is necessary that the place vacated by Judas be filled by one of the men who accompanied us the whole time the Lord Jesus came and went among us, beginning from the baptism of John until the day on which he was taken up from us, and so become a witness to his resurrection. So the way that we know Jesus, the way that we know what he said and what he did and what it all means, is that he provided for eyewitnesses to establish apostolic teaching and successive continuity. Judas' place had to be replaced. In the early 1970s, Charles Colson was President Nixon's hatchet man as the Watergate crisis broke. He was convicted, along with a few others, of obstruction of justice, and he went from being one of the most powerful men in our nation to jail. And that led to his Christian faith. And reflecting on that later, he gives a compelling reason why we can trust the eyewitnesses that Jesus committed to the church. Colson says, I know the resurrection is a fact. Watergate proved it to me. Because 12 men testified that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead, and then they proclaimed that truth for years, never once denying it. They were beaten, tortured, stoned, put in prison, and they would not have endured if it were not true. Watergate embroiled 12 of the most powerful men in the world, and they couldn't keep a lie for three weeks. You're telling me 12 apostles could keep a lie for years? Absolutely impossible. God in his great love has given us his son in atonement for our sins, raised him from the dead to give us victory over death and the hope of eternal life. And we can dare to believe this because our Lord gave us a church founded on apostolic authority, men who were eyewitnesses and then gave credible testimony by their consistency and their courage and their continuity. The unbelieving world around us is grasping for something that is stable. We as Christians have every reason to believe that we know the truth of God. Beyond all the lesser issues that divide our society, even our Christian communities, we have a church that is grounded in truth. 
So if we believe God's truth with passion and allow it to have priority over everything else, then we can trust our Lord to make us one. And as that happens, we will begin to love more and more like Jesus. And then this prayer that Jesus prayed on the night before his death will become a living reality in you and me. Think of it. We can be the answer to Jesus' prayer. May the Lord make it so.